All right. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? You guys doing all right today? You good? Turn to your neighbor and say this. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a good thing you look good because you can't sing at all. Come on, tell them that because it's the truth. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Kind of joking. Not really. Sort of. You guys like that new song we did this morning? God, you're good. Man, Woo! I like it. So I don't know. Four people like it with me. So maybe we'll scratch it. I'm not sure. How many of you have ever broken a bone before? Anybody ever broken a bone before? Okay. Wow. All the broken bone people come to this service, apparently. How many of you have ever had multiple broken bones at one point or another? Multiple broken bones? Okay. I've, I've only broken one bone in my life. I broke my nose in a fight because I'm a scrapper. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how many of you have ever had stitches before? Stitches. Stitches. Okay. How many of you have ever had 30 stitches at one point? Uh, 40 or more stitches at one point. 50. Okay. All right. Some of y'all had a lot of stitches. <laughs> How many of y'all ever had staples? Staples? That's, a, that's another level. That is just weird to me, though. I'm uncomfortable with that whole concept. Like somebody in there with a staple gun, like just going to town at you. That's, that's just weird. How many of you uh, ever been uh, injured in sports before? Injured in sports, Okay. How many of y'all convinced that that is what kept you away from your professional career as an athlete? Come on now. Come on. It's like, man, I was, I was destined for greatness. And then my junior year in high school, I blew out my knee and the, I was going to make millions of dollars. Y'all think your kids are going to do that too. I've seen them play. They're really not that good. But uh, <laughs> how many of y'all ever uh, been injured in battle, in war before? In our veterans. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Amen. Yeah. I, I assume their veterans are like, well, it was a battle. It wasn't like overseas. Uh, how many of y'all have ever been uh, shot or stabbed before? Shot or stabbed before? Okay, a couple stabbed and shot. Okay, let's have coffee this week. I want to hear these stories. <laughs> That's a lot. There wasn't one person in the last service, so all the crazy people come to the 1115 service. I like y'all. This is fun. This is fun. One of the things about physical wounds and physical scars. I'm thankful that we, we serve a God who sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus demonstrated the heart of our father that people are healed and that people can receive physical healing. How many of you guys believe that God still heals people physically? I, I, I definitely believe that. But I also am thankful that God doesn't just want to heal us physically, but he wants to heal our insides as well. So what I want to talk about today is how do you get healed of the unseen wounds, the unseen hearts or hurts in your life? Because I I know that that God would want to edit those things in our lives. He would want to edit the unseen wounds that we carry around. Hidden wounds are, are these memories, these thoughts, these feelings of things that have happened that are still hurting us. These recollections of, of people or events in our lives that, that hurt us and may have hurt us physically, but, but there's still an inner wound that we still carry around because some of these things have happened. Uh, some of these wounds are from abandonment because we, we were left. Some of our, our memories or these wounds are because we were ridiculed or criticized Some of us have experienced prejudice, just hatred, uh, because of who we are, because of the color of our skin, 
for different reasons. Those, those things definitely cause inner wounds. Could be physical abuse. Spiritual abuse is a huge one. I know a lot of people that carry around inner wounds, unseen wounds because of church, because of pastors, Christians in general. They've just been hurt. And they carry around some hurt because of those things. Emotional, physical, spiritual abuse can definitely leave unseen wounds that we can carry for a really long time. So where do all these wounds come from? Well, everywhere. Uh, our society, for one, our society is just, it's, it's pretty messed up. It's a pretty brutal place. It's, it's difficult because people are, are hateful. Jesus, at one point in his ministry, he says, he said that, that the poor will always be with you. Like there's, there's one thing you can guarantee it. There's always going to be poor people that are around you. And I try to edit that verse. They haven't accepted it into the official Bible. But I wanted to say, the poor and idiot jerks will always be with you. Because there's always going to be people that like to hurt people. I have found, though, that typically the people that hurt people are hurt people. And the reason why they hurt is because hurt people have a tendency to hurt. And here's the thing. They may not even be malicious in it, but it's become a part of who they are and their character. And so they just have a tendency to hurt people because they're hurting so bad. Some of the people that I've seen that have been hurt the most were hurt by family. A lot of times those are the, hurt, the worst hurts because family, are, you know, they're supposed to love you, take care of you protect you. And some of the greatest hurts so have come from family. I, I had somebody tell me once that their, their dad picked the bottle over them. Well, that is a wound. That is a hurt. I've had some of the biggest, toughest, redneck guys you could ever meet in your life break down and ball because their parents never told them that they loved them. Their dad specifically never told them that they loved them. This guy with a tough outward appearance, but hurting and wounded on the inside. And I think that this can be a problem for a lot of people. You can get wounds at the workplace. This is that boss that has it out for you, just determined to make your life a living hell. Or that promotion that you worked for and you thought you had it, and then just out of nowhere, somebody else gets that promotion. Uh, that can hurt. Those can be wounds. Certainly can get some wounds out on the schoolyard, right? School? How many of you guys remember some wounds from school growing up? Those bullies, those, those people picking on you, those kinds of things. Those things are real. They can hurt. Those unseen wounds. I believe that some of us need God to heal some things that are in our lives that are unseen. Some of you, you may be good in this area. You may be doing well as far as not really carrying around a lot of unseen hurts and wounds, but you need to take the meat of this message and give it to someone else that you know that is hurt, that is carrying around some of these wounds. In Exodus 15, God gives himself this name, Jehovah Rapha. And in Exodus 15, verse 25 and 26, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. That's what that name Jehovah Rapha means, the God who heals in Psalm 147.3, it says, God heals the brokenhearted and bandages 
their wounds. But how does he do that? How does he do that? You know, the the flu has been a bit of an epidemic this year. Has anybody noticed that? Like, people are dropping like flies. Oh, my goodness. It's been crazy. How many of you have had the flu already this year? Have had the flu? How many of you currently have the flu right now? (laughs) Security, we're going to... They have been itching to taste somebody, and I will give them permission if you're here knowingly with the flu at church. We, we had to go and stock up on hand sanitizer for all of our greeters this morning because, like, we want to be nice to people, but ah. So uh, you got a little bit of hand sanitizer on you probably as well. You can't pretend like everything's okay when you have the flu. There is a process to get better, right? There's a process. You got to hydrate, drink lots of fluids, rest, thermoflu, rest, beg and pray to God that he lets you die, rest, rest, binge on Netflix, rest, rest, and eventually you get better. But if you just pretend like nothing's wrong, you're not going to be able to function normally. You have to go through a process to get healed, to get better. Well, I think that there is a process as well that God would want us to walk through when it comes to to healing the unseen wounds of our life. First of all, you've got to reveal the hurt. Reveal the hurt. You're never going to get well until you're willing to face your feelings, these hurts, straight on. You've got to be honest. The Bible talks about the problem with stuffing these things away in your life. It says in Psalm 39, verse 2, I kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside. As I thought about it, my anger burned. What David is saying in this psalm is, when you're holding on to hurts, it's like carrying around hot coals in your heart. You're the one that's going to get burned, not the person who tried to hurt you. You're hurting yourself. This is a great principle for your heart. You need to reveal and release some things in order for you to begin that healing. This last week, or maybe a little over a week ago, I was dealing with some major frustration in my own life, some personal stuff I was walking through. And so I called Harry Bates, who's one of my good friends and pastors. He, he's the pastor that's kind of over all the campus pastor. I just called him and was just letting him know, like, this is where I'm at and this is what I'm dealing with and just vented to him for a little bit. And when I was done venting, he's like, okay, so what do we need to do now? Where do we go from here? I said, honestly, I feel a lot better just being able to say it, just to talk about it. I don't know that I need a solution right now. I just needed to know that somebody knew where I was at and knew how I was feeling and know that they're going to be there and they're going to pray for me and they're going to have my back and help in any way they can. It's good to be able to reveal when those types of things are happening in our lives. It says in Psalm 32, 3, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me and moaned all day long. Doesn't that sound like someone who is just emotionally drained? Because they're hurt. The things that are happening on the inside of them are consuming them. There's a lot of unhealthy ways to deal with pain inside of you. I want to give you a couple ways. An unhealthy way to, to deal with it is to just forget it. Just forget it. Like, this is the macho approach to this. Like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. It didn't really hurt that bad. I can, I'm fine. I'm just going to keep going. Somebody, I've been through a lot in my life, and I can handle it. I got this. Just try to forget it. 
Another unhealthy way to deal with it is to just try to run from it. Try to run from it. Try to escape it by, by drinking, getting drunk, taking meds, drugs, going from one relationship to another, trying to cope with it, trying to deal with it that way. Or maybe, maybe what you do is you just turn up the RPMs on your life and move at Mach 5 so that you don't have to deal with the hurt and the pain. I know a few people, man, they appear to have a really good work ethic, but in reality, they're just running from their hurt. In the process of running around looking successful and just working hard and working long hours, really what they're doing is they're just coping for the hurt. They're coping for the wounds that are unseen, just trying to deal with it by staying busy, working a lot of hours. Neither one of these work. For your unseen wounds to heal, there needs to be a big reveal to get it healed. There's three different people that I think you have to be willing to, to reveal this to. First of all, you've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself. Something you kind of have to own up to. I'm ashamed of this or this hurts me. It does, and I, I'm not going to keep trying to ignore or pretend like it's not there. Second, you've got to be honest with God. You've got to be honest with God. You've got to say, God, this is how I feel, and just vent. Let it out. Yell, scream at God. He can handle it. Because here's the thing. He knows you're hurt. He knows it's there. Because he was there when you were hurt. But you also need to know he's hurting with you. But you've got to to be honest with God. You've got to take this to God. There's something very cathartic about understanding that there's a lot of godly men and women in the Bible that dealt with this stuff, that dealt with some real inward emotional hurts and wounds. Some big hitters of the faith. Elijah, Moses, certainly David. David was somebody that was struggling with this all the time. A lot of his writings, especially in the Psalms, man, were about these inner wounds that he was dealing with as much as what he was dealing with in the natural and the physical some of David's prayers, man, they were like really violent. He's saying stuff like, smash their teeth. Let your judgment be upon their children and their grandkids. Now, look, here's the thing. I've been some, mad at some people before, but I've never been mad enough that I'm like thinking about their future kids and grandkids. Like, God, break their backs. You're like, that is some rough stuff. Like, you're in a pretty dark place when you start thinking about, like, generations down the road because of the hurt that you're experiencing. I'm not saying that what David said was right, but who he said it to was perfect because God knew his hurt and he was just being real. He was being honest. This is how I feel. These people are hurting me. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring these things to you. Third, you got to be honest with somebody you trust you got to have at least one person in your life that you can trust. Somebody with skin and bones that can hear you. Find a life group leader. You need a friend. You, you need someone that you can trust, that you can just go to and say, look, man, I, you need to know I'm, I'm hurting in this place still. I hurt here. Galatians 6.2 says this, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. I think that's interesting that one of the ways that we walk in obedience 
is not just by having relationships that we share the good times with, that it's not always flowers and beautiful meadows that we prance through and enjoy relationship with people, that at one point or another there's going to be some stuff that's ugly. And one of the ways that we walk in obedience with relationships is we share the hurt. We share the pain that we're dealing with with people. We're real about it. One translation says that we bear with one another. We put on each other's shoulders. At one point or another, you may have to put your pain on the back of someone else. Even though it's your pain, you're not going to be able to carry the pain on your own. I had someone recently reach out to me, and they're just telling me about how frustrated they were with life, and about every, they started listing off every situation and circumstance that they're dealing with, and it was lengthy. I mean, it, they, were, they were facing a ton. And towards the end, they said, look, I just don't know if I, if I have any more hope that I can get beyond this. I don't know if I have enough faith that God is actually going to move and show up in these situations in my life. And I said, no problem. You can borrow some of mine. I'll share some of my faith because I got plenty. I'm doing okay with the Lord right now. And you can, you can borrow some of my faith. And, and, and I'm going to believe and I'm going to stand in prayer with you because I still believe that God can move. And I believe that this is what the church should be. Because every once in a while, there's going to be a member of the church that is running low on faith and hope. But the reason why they are connected to the sum total of the parts of the body is so that when they are running low, there is plenty to go around. And this is who we need to be as a church. So when people are in that place of hopelessness and losing faith, we say, hey, you can borrow some of ours. We've got your back. We're going to help you out. It says in James 5.16, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When you bring these things before other people, we've said this before, when you bring things that you're struggling with before God, he will forgive you, he will restore you. But when you start sharing it with the body of Christ, that's when you start experiencing healing. This is what God would want for us. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Step two, you've got to release the offended to God. Some of you is a situation or circumstance that caused the hurt in your life, but some of you is a a specific person or people, a group of people. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I feel like as a church and all the pastors, we've done a relatively good job of explaining to you the importance of walking in forgiveness. But you cannot get well as long as you are harboring resentment towards people. One of the toughest decisions that you're going to have to make in your life is you've got to decide, do you want to get even or do you want to get well? Because you cannot do both. You do not have the emotional strength and God has not designed you to be able to do both of those things. Because here's the thing, I do believe if you worked really, really hard, eventually you would get what you would feel would be even with the person who hurts you. But guess what? You would still be hurt. You would not be healed. And so even once you got even with that person, they are still hurting you. They are still having control over your life. And that is a reality. When you have someone in your life that you are still holding unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment towards, even though it may have been 30 years ago that it happened to you, that they did that thing to you, they are still hurting you today. 
And as a result, they are still controlling you today. You have given them control over your emotional and mental capability to exist because you can't function to your full potential in the way God created you because you are trying to give up bandwidth of your memory, of your mental capacity to deal with the hurt and the resentment of this person that did it 30 years ago. And until you forgive and release them, you can't get healed. You can't get better. Romans 12, 17 says, never pay back evil for evil. Never avenge yourself. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those that deserve it. So God's going to settle the score. We can also follow Jesus' example with this. Because he made it very, very clear. It says in 1 Peter 2, 23, when Jesus suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God. I want you to think about how powerful this is. You know, Jesus, when he, he received six physical wounds. He was wounded on his head. He was wounded on his face. He was wounded on his back. He was wounded in his hands and his feet, and he was pierced in his side. And as he is hanging on the cross with all of these wounds to him physically, the thing that was killing him was not the physical things. What was killing him was the unseen wounds of taking on the sins of a thousand generations. He literally died from a broken heart. And when he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, he wasn't talking about the physical pain he was experiencing. He was talking about everything that we would do, not understanding the price that he paid. But when we come to a revelation of what that is, when we have even the smallest understanding of the grace that Jesus gave us in paying for our sin, the Bible commands us, we have to forgive like we've been forgiven. And you may say, but, but, but they, they, don't, they don't deserve to be forgiven. I'm not saying that they do. They probably don't, but you didn't deserve to get forgiven either. But God forgave you. He forgave you. And the only way that you can experience this healing is you have to release these things. The betrayal, the abuse, the rejection, the injustice that you've seen in your life. We have to follow the example of Jesus and trust God with it. And forgive and release those people. Step three, you have to determine to write some new scenes. Determine to write some new scenes. I refuse to watch the same old reruns. Reruns. I don't understand people that like watching reruns. That's just weird to me. Seinfeld people are all about this. Like Seinfeld fans, they love watching Seinfeld over and over again. It wasn't funny to me the first time. I don't get it. But, but some people, they like watch it. Or office people. People like watching The Office. They can just watch that over and over and over and over and over again. There's like 86 seasons or something like that. And they'll watch them over, over and over again. Me, I don't, I don't really care for that. Like I want to see something new. I want to see something new. You ever rent a movie before and it has like the deleted scenes at the end? When you watch those deleted scenes, like that would change the whole outcome of the whole movie. There have been seasons of my life where I thought, man, I wish I could edit that out. I wish I could erase that. I wish I could delete that. Maybe you feel the same way, but I would challenge you that maybe your perspective is a little skewed because you don't see the whole picture yet. How many of you ever seen the movie Wizard of Oz? The old, the old Wizard of Oz movie. Did you know that the executives of that movie 
when Dorothy was singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, that when they had gotten done filming that, they said, that, that, that's a horrible scene that needs to be cut from the movie. That's going to hurt the movie. We should just get rid of it. Like it barely made it into the final cut of that movie. And that is like one of the most iconic scenes in songs of any movie. Like that, that's what, like one of the main things that people think of when they think about that movie. Imagine if it had been deleted. Imagine if the people in that time and in that moment had gotten what they wanted and it had been deleted. It would have changed it. If anything should have been deleted or edited out of that movie, it should have been those little demonic flying monkeys. I mean, come look, I mean, children have been peeing their bed for decades because of these nasty, creepy little flying monkey guys. And some of you have never even seen the movie. You have no idea what I'm talking about. The point is this. You can trust God with all the scenes of your life and know that he is orchestrating them into an amazing movie of your life. And even the things that you think that you want to delete, God is going to work them for good in your life. But you can start writing some new scenes going forward. Your life can look different going forward. In Proverbs 31, it talks about the Proverbs 31 woman and how she smiles on the future because she knows that the best days are ahead of her. Regardless of what's happened in the past, God has got something new that he wants to do now in the future. There's two things that you've got to do in order to write some new scenes for your life. First of all, you have to renew your mind in God's word. You have to renew your mind in God's word. Why? Because God's word is truth. God's word is truth. Regardless of the scenes of your past and whoever wrote them, if it's anything outside of God's word, it is not ultimate truth. It was a temporary truth found in a natural existence, but it is not a supernatural truth that is beyond time and space. God's word is. That is the truth that he wants you to live your life on. Your brain is like a tape recorder. It has recorded every single experience, everything that you've seen or heard and touched and, and tasted. It's all in there. Even smells. Smells. You know how smells can bring back memories? I mean, just the other day, I got a whiff of polo sport. It took me right back to the 90s. I was like, quit playing games with my heart. With my heart. You know what I'm talking about. The Backstreet Boys, come on now. Come on, bleach tip hair, silver tab jeans. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, it's so atrocious. How many of y'all are mad that NSYNC wasn't in the Super Bowl halftime show? Come on now, the whole, moving on. But your brain is recorded. Here's the problem. Your brain doesn't distinguish between things that are true and things that are false. It just receives it all, especially when you're a kid. When you're a kid and your brain is just taking in mass amounts of information because it's riding the hard drive of who you're going to be and something was said over you that was not from God. And it was a lie, but it got hardwired into who you are and it has created patterns in your life that are thinking or driven 
And I believe that some of those things need to be renewed with truth. They need to be recorded over with some truth. It says in Romans 12 too, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. How do you guys remember mixtapes? Mixtapes? Oh, yeah. The primary way of demonstrating love towards somebody. You make a mixtape. I'm not good at talking, baby, but I put in a, some songs together. And some of y'all didn't even know what I'm talking about. But back in the day, we had these things called cassettes. <laughs> Young people. And, uh, and, they, and the cassettes had these spools of tape. And those were amazing for decorating people's trees. Uh, you could you know, stream them for hundreds and hundreds of yards behind your vehicle as you're driving down the freeway. But these tapes, some of these tapes, you could record on them and record over them. And so when you had found the person that you knew you were going to spend the rest of your life with at 14, uh, <laughs> you would make a mixtape for them. And you, and, and this, this, look, this was a process This is something that you didn't just rush because you had to get the right songs in the right order because if at the end of the day, when you listen to your own mixtape, if you were not crying, it was not ready yet (laughs) because your goal was to get the person that you were going to give this mixtape to to be consumed with their own emotion as they were listening because you could not articulate it, but Aerosmith could. I could stay away just to there. Come on now, Armageddon, that was where it was at. That was the closer on that tape. The crescendo. I'm way off track. This is the point. Some of you, your mixtapes of the things that you are believing are recorded lies. And you need to record over them with some truth. You've been listening to this thing over and over and over and over again. It is time to stop and record over it with the word of God. And get truth in your life. Another way that you do this is you've got to reach out to someone else who is hurting. If you wanted to, 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 to determine to write some new scenes in your life, you've got to, you've got to, your mind has got to be transformed by truth, by God's word. But another great way to write some new scenes is to get the focus off of you. And I want to exhort some of you because you walk around with what I call a victim mentality. Your issue is not your ability to share your wounds. That is not your weakness. Your weakness is that's all you do. And at one point or another, the reason why you share your wounds and your weaknesses is for healing, not so you can continue to hold on to them and use them as a reason why you can't move forward, as an excuse why everyone's always going to hurt you and how you're never going to find somebody that loves you. You haven't let God heal you. But I will say this, God wants to heal you, but once he heals you, he wants to redeem the pain of your life. 
And the way that God redeems the pain of your life is when it goes from a sad story to a powerful testimony that you can use in someone else's life that is in pain. So at one point or another, you've got to take the pain and the wounds and all those things and say, I have vision because of my pain. And my vision is purpose. And my purpose is to find somebody else that has the same pain and the same wound that is unseen. And I'm going to speak the truth of my new mixtape into their life so they can walk in truth too. At one point or another, God wants to redeem the pain of your life, but it becomes about others. Not you. When you get to that point, it's so much fun. Because you have this personal revelation of how the accuser of the brethren, this, the enemy, the liar, the deceiver, who goes around seeking who he can kill and devour, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You'll realize that this stick that he has been beating you over your head with for decades or however long it's been, you take the stick away from him, you start beating him back with it. Because you're tired of letting these lies dictate your truth. And you finally get to start defeating the plan of the enemy. And not just in your life, but in somebody else's life too. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says this. God comforts us every time we have trouble. But why? So when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort that God has given us. Look, this is, this, is, this is going to be who we are as a church. We're going to be a place where people can come who are hurt and wounded. We will always be a church for people who are fed up with church, but not fed up with God and help redefine what the church can be. We will be that place that people can come no matter what their hurt or what their wound is. But I guarantee you this, we are not going to stay in that place of pain. We're not going to stay in that place of being wounded. We are going to let God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, bring us to a place of personal responsibility, of being honest and real with ourselves, and that we're going to bring it before our Heavenly Father, but then we're going to walk in real healing because we're going to bring it to the body of Christ and let somebody know so that we can move forward, so that we can find purpose, so we can find the next person that needs to be sitting in that chair next to us that needs the healing too. That's who we're going to be. And I believe, though, that some of you, I think especially men, and I don't always want to pick on the men, but men, we suck at this. We stink at just being honest about being hurt. Some of it is just because of the way God designed. God designed us to be strong. He designed us to be a protector, a provider. That's who he created us to be. But the the enemy has lied to you to convince you that the way you stay that way is by hiding your hurts and your wounds. But I want to promise you this. You are never more weak than when you won't confess your hurts. You are strong when you confess it because then God's perfect power comes to work. You will never be stronger than when you finally just say, I'm hurt. I'm wounded. This is me. But it's not just men, it's women too. And I believe that God wants to heal you. But I believe you got to be honest with yourself. You got to bring it before God. And then you got to let the body of Christ be the body of Christ. If you don't, you'll carry it around. And this is what I've noticed. 
a few days ago, uh, or last week, I guess, last week, our son Reeves, he's a sweet kid, has an awesome disposition. The only times he's grumpy is when he is hungry or tired, just like his daddy. And, uh, but last week, man, he was just acting really grumpy. I was like, Reeves, what is up? He's like, I don't know. My wrist hurts. Everybody keeps touching my wrist. I'm like, okay, all right. What's wrong with your wrist? He looks like, oh. And he had a carpet burn on his wrist. But he didn't even realize it was there. You know, he was back there partying in kid life and slid on the carpet, got a carpet burn. Didn't realize it had happened. But people kept touching his wound. So he'd be fine. Ah, somebody, ah, ah. And that's exactly how some of you operate. You're good. You're fine. You're good. You're fine. But then somebody bumps up against your wound and all, you, all of a sudden this, this other person comes out. God wants you to be healed and turn your wounds into scars. Look, you need a scar. You need a scar. Because then you have something to point to to say, hey, I was hurt too. I was hurt too. The thing about physical scars is they always come with great stories. I find a lot of times they're like fishing stories, though. They get stretched out over time. Like, every once in a while, my kids are like, hey, Dad, where'd you get that scar? I find the best thing to do is I just blame them all on their mama. That's where, that's where mommy stabbed me with her nail file. That's where she burned me with her cigar. She's a big cigar smoker, kids. You didn't know that. That's hilarious. But your, your unseen wounds, they'll, they'll have a scar so that you can tell the story of how God healed you. You can point to it. I believe God wants to give you that. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm going to ask that nobody be looking around right now. Um, you may be doing well with this, like I said earlier, and I, but you may know somebody that's not doing well. But you may not be doing well at all. And maybe today is the first time you're willing to admit it. And I believe that God wants to meet you where you're at. But I think you've got to go through the process. Are you honest? Are you willing to admit? Are you willing to take it to God? And you can stop right there, but I want to give you a chance to take one more step. If you're in a place, you know you have some unseen wounds, some unseen hurts, that you're ready to let God heal, begin the healing process in you. Nobody looking around. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. Put your hand up right now in the service. All kinds of hands. Nobody looking around. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Lift that palm towards heaven. This is just, God, I'm going to surrender this thing. I'm going to release it to you. It's also a place where you get to receive. God, I thank you for every one of these people. And I don't know what the hurt is. I don't know what it is, but you know exactly what it is because you were there. You hurt with them. You hurt with them. You cried with them. You experienced it with them. Whatever it is, God, I know that your heart is that they are healed. And so right now I speak into every one of these wounds and I break the lies of the enemy that would convince them that these things have to define them, that these things are always going to be with them. 
we break those lies off in Jesus' name and we speak your truth, God, that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you come to heal and to bind up those who are sick and oppressed. God, we speak healing in the name of Jesus and we speak freedom in every one of these areas of hurts, of wounds, wherever they came from, God, whatever is the situation or person, God. And right now in our hearts, we are making the decision. We are gonna forgive and release those people that caused the hurts, that caused the wounds. God, if it was a father, if it was a mother, if it was a brother, if it was a sister, whoever it was, if it was a pastor, if it was a boss, if it was some bully, whoever it is, God, bring their names to our memory. We speak their names and speak forgiveness and speak forgiveness over the things that they did in Jesus' name. We thank you for that healing, God. You can put your hands down. Some of you need to meet your healer. You've never had a relationship with him. And I want to give you a chance to do that. The way that you know who you are in Christ is you have to surrender your life to him. And and the truth is, until you've surrendered your life to him, he can't be your healer until he's your savior and your redeemer. Until you've surrendered your life to his authority, he can't use his power to help you. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe you did, but you have been away from him and you need to come back to him today, you need to rededicate your life. If you're either one of those people and you're ready to surrender your life to him or come back to him. I ask you to put your hand up and as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but if that's you, yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus today. Got it, thanks, bro. I need to surrender my life to him. Got it, yes. Anybody else? I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to come to him. Got it, thanks, buddy. Anybody else? Yes. Thanks, man. Anybody else? I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Thanks, bro. God's going to honor that. God's going to honor that. Thanks for being bold. It's the best decision you could ever make. I feel like somebody's just being a little bit stubborn right now. And, And God wants you to know that he loves that in you because when that's submitted to him, He's going to use that as a strength to be tenacious for the things of God. But you've got to be willing to surrender first. So if that's you, stop being stubborn. Come to him right now. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Father God, I thank you for for every one of those hands that was raised, Lord. In the first service, only one person raised their hand in this service. It was many more, but it doesn't matter if it's one or if it's a thousand. All of heaven rejoices. And you would have come, Jesus, if it was just for one. But God, every one of these people, right where they're at, meet with them. And if you raise your hand, just talk to him right there in your chair. Say, God, here's my life. And I know that I've made a lot of mistakes, more than I can count. And I don't understand how you could possibly forgive me for all of my sin. But I have enough faith right now to believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. That he paid the price. 
that he took on my shame, that he took on my hurt, that he took on my pain, and he died, and he defeated my sin, and he defeated death in the grave. And I believe he rose from the grave. And I thank you that he's preparing a place for me. And right now, Jesus, I surrender to you as my Lord, as my Savior, and I want you to have control. I want to live for you. I'm tired of living for myself, and the world is broke. I don't want to live the way the world wants me to live. I want to live my purpose in you. So help me to understand what that is. Help me to grow in an understanding of your love. I want to understand your words. Help me to understand your word and the promise and the truth of it. And God, help me to be connected to the body of Christ, to find my place, to find my giftings, and to use them for your glory and for your kingdom. God, I thank you for every person that just had that conversation with you. I thank you that you're giving them a new life now, now, now. And I thank you, God, that they never have to look back other than to point to a place of reference for a testimony of what you've done. We thank you, God, that we can be a church that has some scars. We can be a church that has some scars because we got some stories to tell of your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. But we don't just sit in four walls and talk about them. We go outside of these four walls because there is a world of people with hurts and wounds that are gaping, that the enemy is going after with everything he has and convincing people that they can never be healed. God, let us be a people. Let us be a church that goes with everything that we have to find them and to bring them to their healer in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're thankful for God's word and all those people that raise their hand, let's give them some glory this morning. Amen.